Morning, church family. Let us continue our worship by the reading and preaching of God's word. Today's passage, uh, we'll be listening and hearing and receiving through Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 to 15. And if you have your pew Bible in front of you, uh, that'll be on page 1002. Page 1002 in your pew Bible. Let's begin. Take care, brothers, lest there be in, in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end, as it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. This is the word of God. We've been in this one another series over the summer. Obviously now it's August, or we're about halfway through it. We've been learning what it means to live from Christ in us as a family. How to family, how to love one another, how to be a church. What does it mean that Jesus is in us? And then to, ex to express it, we've been doing our art project out here in the foyer that will continue over the next few weeks too as we're, as we're uh, bringing our One Another series to a close. Today we're going to talk about exhorting one another. And, and as you heard when Zach was reading, um, the passage talks about exhort one another daily. Why? Be because of the deceitfulness of sin. So today when we go out into the foyer, uh, there's actually going to be two different colors there's going to be a red color that you can use to express the idea of exhorting one another, and we're also going to have a dark color like a black or a charcoal to express the sin that we want to leave behind. So there will be people out there to, to explain to you a little bit more after the service. I'm proud of you guys uh, for, for being a part of our, our art project together. I know some of you were skeptical. But you've been participating, and I think it's turning out very, very beautiful. So, exhort one another. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 through 15, as we just read together. So, let me ask you this question. Have you ever doubted your faith? Have you ever wondered, is all of this even true? Is this, is this right? Is it correct? Is it true? Have you ever had a hard heart? Maybe you do right now, today. Maybe, maybe you came in this morning with a hard heart towards God, towards His Word. Who do you listen to throughout the week? Whose voice is the biggest voice in your head? Your own? Talk radio? The news? The Instagram influencers? Or is it God's voice? Have you ever known someone who fell away from the faith? Maybe they grew up and they were, you know, they looked like a Christian, they walked like a Christian, they talked like a Christian, smelled like a Christian, whatever that means, and then, and then suddenly they're saying they're not a Christian. There's been some pretty famous deconversions lately, you know, in, in Christian culture. Musicians and artists that I grew up listening to who now say, I'm not a Christian. I'm an agnostic. I'm an atheist. Pastors. Deconstructing is um, a concept now that is catching hold in the church. Deconstructing our faith. I asked, I asked all my young adult kids this week, have you heard the word deconstruct? And all of them said, yep, I've heard that word. Hashtag deconstruct. 
There are websites about how to deconstruct. There are seminars about how to deconstruct. You can hire therapists to walk with you as you deconstruct your faith. And we all know, this is not a new concept, we all know that statistics show 60 to maybe 70% of Christians after high school will go through some form of deconstructing their faith, asking themselves, why do I believe what I believe? Do I really believe this? I did. I didn't call it deconstructing because that wasn't a word when I was 17. All I knew was... I asked myself the question, do I believe this because my dad believes it, and he's really smart, or do I believe it because I actually believe it? And that's not a bad thing, is it? It's not a bad thing. Today, we want to we walk through what, you know, what exactly is the author of Hebrews asking us to do as a body, as a church, we want to try to understand the nature of salvation, and we want to understand what it means to exhort one another in the faith so that we don't fall away. So three lessons. Lesson one, salvation requires God's preserving grace and our persevering faith. Salvation requires both. God's preserving grace and our persevering faith. You might have noticed we sang a lot of songs this morning to try to show you that God has done it. <laughs> Victory in Jesus, my Savior this weekend. No, <laughs> my Savior forever, right? God has saved you. Listen, here's the story of the Bible. This is the story the Bible's telling. Every single human being is born alienated from God, separated from God. We're born sinners. We're born with the capacity to sin. And if you've ever raised a little miniature human, you know that it doesn't take long for that sin nature to pop out, right? You know, you know that. You know that we're not just blank slates. You know that there's something inside all of us. And even now as a 52-year-old born-again Jesus follower, I know that there is a default inside of me that says I want to do what I want to do. Right? And all of you know that because you've seen the news and you've seen your own life. We're born alienated from God, but the living God, Hebrews calls him the living God, the Father, said, I want to rescue my creation. I want to rescue the ones I have made. I have, I have hand-woven together. I have knit together Brady Walcott, and I want to rescue him. I want to offer him a rescue. And so the Father sent the Son. Our God is a trinity, the Father, Son, Spirit. The Father sending the Son, the living God, the Son, bearing our sin on the cross coming to earth, living the perfect life that none of us could live, and yet dying as a sinner like all of us deserve. And he died in our place. He died for us to rescue us. And not only that, not only that, the living God, the Holy Spirit, the living Spirit has come into us when we by faith receive the work of Jesus in our place. The Holy Spirit, the living God comes into us, indwells us, changes us, transforms us, makes us like himself. That's what God does. Why? How? By His grace. Not because you figured anything out, not because you're so good, not because you are awesome, not because you're smarter than other people, but because of God's grace. Period. The end. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His… but according to His… 
mercy, <laughs> he saved us. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of your own works, so that no one can boast. God's grace accomplishes our salvation. And the book of Hebrews, maybe more than any other book in the Bible, I mean, right up there with Romans, teaches us this. Here's just a couple examples. Hebrews 12, 2 tells us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. It does not say, look deep into your own heart. Look to the self. The perfect, you are your perfecter. It doesn't say that. Jesus, the founder and perfect. He began our faith and He ends our faith. He brings us to the completion of faith. Here's another scripture from Hebrews. For by a single offering, He, Jesus, was perfected, has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. He has, Christian, He has perfected you for all time. This is done by Christ by God, by the Spirit, by the living God. And yet, at the same time, salvation happens by grace through faith. Through faith. And so, God's part, grace. Our part, faith. God does it all, and then we do. We have faith. And so, in Hebrews, maybe more than any other book in the Bible, we have warnings about our faith. So, for example, in chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. Okay, that's a warning. That's a warning. Look, you're, you're, you're sitting in here right now. You're listening to me preach. I am speaking the Word of God to you. And every Sunday when you come in, every time you watch online, I don't care why you're here, but if you're here and you're hearing this, here's the warning. Don't harden your heart. In other words, have faith. Believe it. Believe it. In chapter 4, verse 11, the author will say this, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. His analogy is the Israelites. The Israelites entered into the promised land of rest. The author is saying, look, do you want to enter into God's rest? Then you got to strive to enter that rest. You got to keep on believing. Don't stop believing. Listen, listen, one of, the, one of the mistakes we've made as the church, I think, this is my opinion, one of the mistakes we've made, and especially as Baptists, one of the big mistakes we can make is that we, we declare that salvation is this one and done experience. So, Johnny makes a profession of faith at VBS. Praise God, Johnny's saved. Or, or Timmy walks an aisle, Timmy walks the aisle, or Susie throws a stick in the fire at camp, or you prayed a prayer, you asked Jesus into your heart when you were seven or 17. Praise God, they're saved. But the Scripture teaches us that salvation is an ongoing thing. Salvation is a continuance. Yes, yes, it's the preserving grace of God, but it is also the persevering faith of the Christian. To be a Christian. What is a Christian? What does it mean to live the Christian life? Here's, here's a big, huge chunk of the Christian life. 
Every single day, today, if it is called today, while it's today, today, asking myself, do I today still believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ? Guys, that's the Christian life. Waking up every morning and saying, do I still believe it? Not did I believe it 10 years ago, not did I believe it 10 months ago, not did I believe it 10 days ago, do I believe it right now? That's the Christian life, which is why, number two, lesson number two, we must heed the very real warning in our text today. Exhort one another daily. So verse 12, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you, any of us, I'm so glad Brady's not preaching to me this morning. Whew. No, that's not what it says. Any of you, an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. Take care. It literally means look out, watch out, beware. Lest there be in any of you an unbelieving heart, distrust, to, I, not trusting God anymore. In other words, God's, you know, the garden, in the Garden of Eden, did God really say, doesn't God just know that if you eat that fruit, you're going to be like Him, and He just doesn't want you to be like Him? In other words, it God's not actually good. Yeah. 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 God isn't good, is He? If God was good, all this bad stuff wouldn't be happening. Unbelief. Unbelief. Leading you to fall away. The word fall away means to withdraw from, to depart, to run away, to flee. And in its strongest usage, to revolt, to fall away is not, it, I don't love, like fall away kind of makes it sound like, oops, oops, I stopped believing. <laughs> no, that's not what he means. He means like you actively said, I don't believe this anymore. I'm out of here. I don't need this. I don't need this Jesus person. That's what he's talking about. Now, keep in mind, this is not a falling away from, he's not talking about falling away from a religion. That's how we talk about it in our culture. I'm deconstructing my Christianity. I'm deconstructing my religion. Okay, I got a couple things to say about that. First of all, Hebrews does not, he's not talking about falling away from religion. He's talking about falling away from a person, Jesus. Okay? He's making the argument, do you really want to leave the one person who loves you with an everlasting love? Do you really want to abandon the one person who can rescue your soul? Do you really want to give up on the one individual who has the power to save you and love you to the end? That's what he's talking about. The Jewish believers, the Hebrew believers that he's talking to, when they fall away from Jesus, they're running headfirst back into religion. They weren't leaving one religion for no religion. They're leaving Christ for Judaism. They're running back to Judaism. You with me? Oh, Christ, yeah, he's cool, but I guess I better still kill some goats. No. No, you don't got to kill goats because Jesus is the one true sacrifice. 
oh, yeah, Jesus, yeah, that's nice. That's nice, but I guess I better obey the Ten Commandments if I want to go to heaven. I better, I better still do that. No, no. Jesus obeyed. He's your righteousness. You see what's happening? They're leaving Jesus for religion. And I just want to say, especially to all you young people who think, who you think that when you deconstruct this religion, the religion of Christianity, that you are abandoning religion. No, you're not. Everybody's religious. Everybody's got a religion, don't they? I mean, atheism's a religion, isn't it? It's got a system. Secular humanism is a religion, isn't it? Progressive Christianity is a religion. It has a creed, doesn't it? Love is love is a creed, isn't it? My body, my choice, that's a creed, isn't it? Transgender women are still women, that's a creed, isn't it? Make America great again, that's a creed, isn't it? That's a faith system. All you need is love. That's, a, that's creedal. And all of these things come with a new set of commandments, don't they? That you have to follow in order to fit into, well, I'm, I'm, rejecting, I'm rejecting all this formal religion. <laughs> what? What? Listen, if you, leave, if you leave Christ behind and run into the religion of self, man, you're in more bondage than you've ever been. You've got more rules than you've ever had. Verse 13, but exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Are you falling away from the faith? Let me ask you this, is the person sitting next to you right now falling away from the faith? Do they have a hard heart? What about the people in your small group? Do they have hard hearts? Are they deceived by sin? What about your pastors? Are they ever deceived by sin? What about your kids, your spouse? All the people in your Sunday school class, your Bible study. Well, Brady, how am I supposed to know? <laughs> okay. Uh, exhort them. Have a conversation. They come to church. I see them in church. Look, all these people are here in church, aren't they? Clearly, none of us in the pews this morning are deceived by sin. There's not a, clearly there's not a single hard, I'm preaching to the choir. There are no hard hearts in this room because you're here. I saw them take communion. Okay. Okay. Is it possible though that we can wear masks when we walk into church? Is it possible that the people sitting next to you right now, across from you, on the other side of the room from you, is it possible that they are currently actively being deceived by sin? Sin here is the sin of unbelief. In church history, we call it apostasy. A professing Christian who says, I don't believe it anymore, I'm giving up. That's the sin, the deceitfulness of sin, the rejection of God, the revolting against God. I don't need God. And that's the sin of the Israelites in the wilderness. That's the sin that they gradually move towards. Verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 19, so we see that they were unable to enter the promised land because of unbelief. You remember the story. You've been to Sunday school, right? Some of you? Some of you have been to Sunday school, right? Listen, these people saw the ten plagues. 
Remember? They, they saw like frogs everywhere. They saw a river turn to blood. They saw cattle die. They put blood on a doorpost. Do you remember? Same people, same people. I'm talking about the same people. Put blood on a doorpost. They walked through a sea. Right? Like they were there. Moses lifted the stick. Boom. You, right? They, and they walked through. Then they got where? Where did they go next? Into the wilderness. And literally all hell broke loose. Where, where's the water? Where's the food? We're starving here, God. Moses, why are we following this joker? To the point where after, after weeks and months of that, they finally get on the edge of the promised land. You remember it? I'm in the book of Numbers now. They, they send in spies. Ten of the twelve spies come back and say, we can't do it. Giants are too big, walls are too high. And the Bible says in, in, in Numbers 14, God doesn't describe their sin as like, oh, you, you, you silly people. Come on now, buck up. No! He literally, I, I can't repeat the word he calls them. You are unfaithful, is what he says. You have rebelled against me, he says. And you remember, now you die. You die. Your children will go in, but you die. You don't get to go. After all that, you don't get to go. Listen. I'm not trying to scare you, but I am trying to scare you, okay? The Apostle Paul says, listen, work out your salvation with all fear and trembling. Why? Because it's God. God's at work in you. It is the work of God, yes. But there has to be this working out, this, this thing that says, do I believe this? Do I believe this? Or is my heart drifting? Listen, listen, the sin of unbelief is not, is, is not the struggle, it's not questioning, it's not doubting, it's not, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. It's not that, it's not honest questions. It's not legitimate questions. It's not, it's not wrestling with God. All of that is actually encouraged in Scripture, isn't it? The sin of unbelief here is a, re, a, is a revolt. It's a rebellion. It's God saying, go into the land, I will go with you, and looking at him and saying, nah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't need that. It's a, it's a Christian, it's a Christian where God's saying, I love you, I save you, I will bring you home, and a Christian looking at God and going, nah, I, get, I think I'll just trust myself. I think I'll just trust my own heart. I think I'll just trust what I do. I don't really need you. I don't, I'm not even really sure if you're real. You know, God, to be honest, I'm not even really sure you're real. Jesus, eh. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about day-to-day -day sinning, bad habits, temptations. We're not talking about you looking at porn last night. We're not talking about you getting angry with your kids. We're not talking about you stealing paper clips from work. We're not talking about you driving too fast. We're not talking about you arguing with your spouse. We're not talking about that. We're talking about, I don't trust God anymore. That's what we're talking about. Okay? I don't need God. I don't believe in Jesus. And we've seen that, haven't we? We've seen that in people's lives. This is the hard heart. Why? How does it happen? Because sin is deceitful. Sin makes us start to question the very nature of God, His character. And so, therefore, we begin to drift away. Chapter 2, verse 1, pay much closer attention to what you have heard, lest we drift away from it. So, the author of Hebrews starts with drifting away, 
Okay, it's a drift. It's a drift. Look, nobody woke up one day and said, I'm going to apostatize today. That didn't happen. Like, nobody just is like following Jesus wholeheartedly on Wednesday, and then Thursday pops out of bed and says, I don't believe Jesus is real. It's a drift, isn't it? And here's the drift. I'm going to tell you the drift. It starts with, is it good? And it usually starts with, is the church good? Moms and dads, write this down. Young people, write this down, because this, this is how it almost always happens. Not every time, but almost always. Is it good? Is the church good? Is Christianity good? Is the church's sex ethic good? Hmm. Is my church, Grace Baptist Church, my church says no gay marriage. Is that really good? Hmm. You know, there seem to be a lot of racists in my church. They're not good. The church isn't good. Christianity is not good. If Christians are the far right, then, I, then they're not good. So it, it starts with, is it good? And it drifts to, is it true? Because if it's not good, clearly it's not true. That's the drift, at least in our culture. How does somebody move from asking questions, legitimate questions about their faith, about the Bible, right, and end up with, this book's fake, God is fake, I don't believe it. Because somewhere along the line, they said it's not good. And then after that, they said it's not true. Now, on occasion, there is the rare, like, intellectual person who starts with it's not true and moves to it's not good. That does happen. But 90% 90 is probably, is it good? It's not good. If it's not good, then it's not true. That's the usual drift. Now, here's the question that I know all of you are asking and you want me to answer. Brady. Are, the, are people that fall away, are people, are Christians that fall away and reject the Lord, were they ever really Christians though? It's a great question. It's a great question. And my, right now, today, if you ask me that question, here's my answer. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> they're not. They're not saved. They're not Christians. But here's a better question. Here's the question I think we actually need to be asking. How, Brady, how can I know who's a Christian today? That's the better question. How can I know that Scott's a Christian today? There's only one way to know, isn't there? Ask him. Scott, are you a Christian? Okay, there you go. And do I see the fruit in Scott's life, right? Does he confess Christ today? And does he live out Christ today? Today. Today. Did you catch that? Today. As long as it's called 15 years ago. No. no. <laughs> as long as it's called today. Verse 13. Let me ask you. Are you trusting in Jesus today? Are you trusting in Jesus today? Chapter 3, verses, verse 1. Consider Jesus. Holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. Do you trust in Jesus today? right now? On what basis will you go to heaven? On what basis are you righteous? 
on what basis are you forgiven? If your answer to that question is not this one word, Jesus, then we need to talk. I need to exhort you. On judgment day, what case will you make before God? What will be your argument on judgment day before God? Uh, well, I, I was really nice. I was nowhere near as lousy as my husband. I, I was born in the church, stuck with the church, went to church. I, die, I literally died in the church, God. I just was there and I just fell, I, was, I died in the church. Okay? Okay? Listen, consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. Not the church, not even Christianity, not, not the person on YouTube, <laughs> not your pastor. Not, consider Jesus. Number three. Lesson three, we must heed this admonition, exhort one another daily. We have, to, we have to heed the warning about sin and unbelief, and therefore we have to heed the admonition to exhort one another daily. Exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. What is the solution here? How do we keep each other from falling away? How do we keep each other from being deceived by sin? How do we uh, prevent deconversion? How do we prevent apostasy as a church? And the answer is one another. One another. Exhort one another daily. A strong, loving church community is the answer. And I admit, sadly, a lot of churches aren't that. And, and, and a lot of us grew up without that. Even young people that have gone through Grace Baptist Church would probably, and I've heard it, I've heard them say it, nobody cared about me. Nobody came beside me. And when I got out of there, I got out of there. And they fell away from Christ because they fell away from the church, because they decided that the church wasn't good, and if the church wasn't good, then it wasn't true. And if the church isn't good and true, then maybe Jesus isn't good and true. I want you to know this morning that Jesus is always good and true. I am going to let you down. I'm going to say something stupid. Your elders are going to say, you're going to do the wrong thing. Your youth pastor, your Sunday school teacher, your small group leader, they're going to, they're going to ignore your text and they're going to go, and they're not going to come through for you. I, it's going to happen. But Jesus will never let you down. Don't hold on to Jesus because you're holding on to the church. Hold on to the church because you're holding on to Jesus. Okay? Let's exhort one another. Here's my question. Can the church, can Grace Baptist Church be a safe place to question and doubt while being a place of deep, life-changing, lived-out truth? Can it be both? Can we be a place where you feel like you can ask the hardest of questions and you can doubt and you can read this book and say, I don't get it. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. What about this? What about that? And at the same time, we can, we can hold on to it as truth and we can live it out as truth. Can we be both? That's my prayer. I think we can. We need to be a place of exhortation. This word exhortation is an amazing word. Exhort one another daily. Do you know what the word is? It's the Greek word parakaleo. 
That's the same word Jesus uses in John's gospel to describe the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your paraclete. He will paracaleo you. Paracaleo one another. Encourage one another. Come alongside one another. Advocate for one another. Mentor one another. Be a spiritual friend to one another. That's what it means. Come alongside. Do life together. Join me. Join me in life. That's what exhort means. Come with me. Uh, it's discipleship, folks. Hold my hand. Let's do this. Let's do it together. Let's walk through it together. It's asking each other, where's your faith today? How are you trusting in God today? What are you seeing Jesus do today? It's asking those kinds of questions. Is your confidence still in Christ alone? It's asking those kinds of questions of one another. Where does this happen? It happens in church. It happens in church. At the end of this book, and this will be a future sermon in Hebrews chapter 10, he's going to say, don't neglect gathering together, but stir one another up. This happens in church. Have you been exhorted today by this church gathering? I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> like I said, that's why we sing the songs we sing. It's why we, it's why we read the scriptures we read and preach the sermons we preach. Yeah, but again, Brady, people can fake it in church. Yeah, that's why you need to join a small group. It's a lot harder to fake it with four people, isn't it? When I'm looking at you in my small group and I say, hey, Andrew, what about in this specific situation in your life, how are you obeying this Scripture? It's a lot harder to fake that answer, isn't it? If I know him, if I know his life, why do we need this? Because we're in the wilderness. Just like the Israelites, we're in the wilderness, aren't we? The wilderness of suffering, the wilderness of unanswered prayers. You know, God hasn't answered one of my prayers in decades, Brady. Okay. Are you going to shut down? Are you going to shut down on Jesus? Are you going to give up on Him? I'm tempted to. It's the wilderness of temptations. You know, I've been asking God to take away this sin, this habitual sin, for, for decades, for years. Okay, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Are you going to quit? Are you going to quit on the whole thing? Or are you going to trust the cross? It's the wilderness of cultural influence, the world. It's the wilderness of church abuse and trauma. What's your giant What's the giant in the land that's making you say, I can't keep walking with God. I can't keep walking with Jesus. We all have them. Let's just be, can we just be honest? We all got something that's making us say, I, I don't even know if this is real. If you don't, then God bless you. You're, you know, God bless you. You're, I, I have them. I don't know. I assume you do too. Look, Look, Israel, listen to me, listen to me. Israel went through the wilderness and it tested their faith and they failed. Their hearts were hardened and they missed out on rest. Jesus Christ went through the same wilderness, didn't he? And his faith was tested, wasn't it? And the devil came to him and the devil said, you know what? God's, God just wants you to turn those rocks into bread. No, he God just wants you to jump off the cliff, Jesus. The angels will catch you. God just wants you to bow down to me, and then we can speed this whole process up. You don't got to wait to rule the world, Jesus. You don't have to go through that whole cross nonsense. Just bow down now, and you can have it all. And how did Jesus do with that test in the wilderness? He passed it, didn't he? He passed it. His heart, his heart was steeled towards God. Uh, he trusted God with everything in his being. Listen to me. Who's living in your heart, Christian? The Israelites or Jesus? It's not a trick question. <laughs> Who's living in your heart? The Israelites or Jesus? Jesus. Can you pass the test? Yes. Yes, you can. What effect will the wilderness have on your faith today? 
Will it reveal the hard heart of the Israelites or will it reveal the soft heart of Jesus Christ, our Savior? How do we do this for one another? Through Scripture. Through Scripture. In chapter 4, Hebrews will say, the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Listen, who are you, who are you diving into Scripture with, Christian? Young person? Who, who do you do Scripture with? Anyone? Is this it for you? Is 10.30 Sunday mornings it? I hope not. You need to be in a community, in a context where you are looking at the living Word of God together and letting it crack open your heart with other Christians. I'm not saying we're not doing that here, but ain't nobody asking you questions about it probably after this, after this sermon. Maybe, maybe, hopefully, moms and dads, are you talking about this after? Small groups, are you talking about this after? Bible studies, are you talking? Friendships, are you talking about this after? Or does, is it just in one ear and out the other? What are you doing with the Word of God? Listen to me, young, young people, if you're going to deconstruct your faith, if you say, yeah, I really need to, I, I need to question everything I believe, you know what I would say to that as your pastor? Yes, do it. Question everything you believe, you should. But please, I'm begging you, don't do it apart from the Word of God. What's happening in our culture today is young people are deconstructing their faith and they're doing it with the YouTuber and the Instagrammer. And they're not doing it with the Word. And do it with, listen, do it with people you trust. I hope I'm one of those people. Maybe I'm not. If I'm not, you know, maybe it's Jamie. Maybe it's Andrew. Maybe it's your mom and dad. Maybe it's just a good Christian friend. I don't know. But find somebody that you can trust. If you, if you need to deconstruct, go for it. But do it with the Word so that what you land on is a reconstruction of your faith rooted in the Word of God. We do this by taking each other to the throne of grace. Again, in Hebrews chapter 4, he says, we go boldly with confidence, we draw near to the throne of grace. How do we exhort one another daily? With the Word of God, and at the throne of grace, with the Word of God, and at the throne of grace. We point each other to the grace of Jesus Christ. We point each other to the grace of the Father. We point each other to the grace of the Spirit. We consider Jesus. We confess from grace. We pursue from grace. We hold on by grace. Our faith is strengthened by grace at the throne, at the foot of the throne. Take each other to the throne. Can we be preemptive today, church? How many more sad stories do we have to hear about somebody falling away? How many more stories about pastors do we have to hear about falling, falling from the faith? How many more young people do we have to see walk out the door and never, ever come back? to this church or any church? Can we be preemptive? Isn't that what God's calling for here? A preemptive strike. Exhort today. Exhort today. What young adult will you connect your life to today, church? I challenge you. I challenge you. Who will you reach out to and say, hey, can I, can I walk beside you? Whether, maybe you don't think you need it, but I need it. <laughs> I, want, I want to walk beside you. And maybe you don't start with that. Maybe you just start with, hey, man, can I buy you lunch? Can I buy you lunch? Can I, can I buy you a cup of coffee? Can I do life with you? Can we, can, I, can we get to know each other? Can we help each other walk in the faith? What, we're going to do a small group leader Q&A right after the service. 
Meet me in room 116. Is that where God's been nudging you? Maybe God's saying like, look, here's a way you can exhort one another's daily, maybe weekly, whatever we want to call it, by being in a small group, by leading a small group. Maybe, maybe. Who are you exhorting? Who exhorts you? Who are you confronting? Who confronts you? Who, know, who would even know that your heart is hard? Who would even know when you're drifting? Anyone? Anyone? I pray that they do. And as we sing this song before the throne of God above, I pray that this very song would exhort you and soften your heart and let you know that you are holding on to the faith expressed in this song. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we, we cry out to you. We need you to exhort us. Holy Spirit, you are the exhorter. You are the paraclete. You're the best of all, all friends, Holy Spirit. You're the best of all advocates. You're the, you're the best of all prayer partners. But listen, sometimes we need someone with skin on. Sometimes we need somebody that can hear the problems, hear the doubts, hear the confusions, and point our hearts back to Jesus. God, would you make us a church that's willing to do that? God, for anyone this morning that's maybe holding on to something other than you, maybe they're holding on to a profession from years ago or, or holding on to, to some action that they did that they think saves them, Maybe, maybe someone in here thinks that because they came to church today, they're a Christian. Or maybe they think that because they, they grew up in the church, they're a Christian. God, would you show us that that's not what this is about. This is about faith in Jesus, a person, the person of Jesus. God, may your word rip open our hearts. May it expose us. May it change us. Strengthen us today. Strengthen our assurance in you. May our assurance today be the faith that we have today in Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen.